Bibles open to 1 Timothy chapter 6. And as you do, I want to uh, remind you to come back tonight, amen, and be, be part of the service tonight at 6. And also, please excuse my wife and I, right after service, we're going to have to jet out of here to get to my daughter's graduation. So she's uh, all the way down in Arlington at 1 o'clock, and so we've got to make sure we get there in time. So don't feel like, think we're rude if we shoot out fast, amen. I want to talk this morning about a title that uh, is a little different than normal. But I, before I say the title, I'll lead into it a little bit about how many know it's important to be prepared? Yeah. Preparation is very, very important for anything we do in life. And how many have ever been unprepared? Right? Unprepared. There's nothing worse than being unprepared for something. And the Bible even says that we're supposed to be ready in season and out as believers. Ready for anything at any time and any, t- in any place. But I want to talk about being prepared this morning and are you prepared? But I want to talk about a message that I preached at a conference many years ago. Some of you might remember the name. Some of you might have been there. But it's called Don't Show Up to a Gunfight with a Knife. Amen? Amen. Don't show up to a gunfight with a knife. 1 Timothy chapter 6, if you look with me at verse 3. I want to read a few verses. It says, if anyone teaches otherwise and does not consent to wholesome words, even the words of our Lord Jesus Christ and to the doctrine which with which accord with which sorry, which accords with godliness, he is proud, knowing nothing. So before I move on, how many know here this morning that Jesus Christ is Lord? How many know that Jesus Christ is the Messiah, that he is the risen savior? That he is the only way to heaven. That through his blood is the only way to be saved. Guess what? You're smart. That's what the Bible says. Because if you don't believe that, you're nothing. Amen? Nothing. If you don't know a whole lot this morning, know that. Get that understanding and stick to that. Don't let anybody pull you away from that. Amen? So he's proud knowing nothing, verse 4. But he's obsessed with disputes, arguments. Other words from which come envy, strife, reveling, evil suspicions, useless wranglings of men of corrupt minds and destitute of the truth, who suppose that godliness is a means of gain. From such, withdraw yourself. We said this on Wednesday night. Now, godliness with contentment is great gain. For we brought nothing into the world, and it is certain we can carry nothing out. And having food and clothing, with these we shall be content. But those who desire to be rich fall into temptation and a snare and into many foolish and harmful lusts, which drown men in destruction and perdition. For the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil, for which some have strayed from the faith and their greediness and pierced themselves through with many sorrows. But you, O man of God, flee these things and pursue righteousness godliness, faith, love, patience, and God and gentleness. Fight the good fight. Say that with me. Fight the good fight. Of faith, lay hold on eternal life to which you were called and have confessed the good confession in the presence of many witnesses. Father, this morning I ask you to anoint this word. I ask you to pour out your spirit upon it. I ask you to move 
in our hearts and speak to our hearts this morning and allow us to understand what you're trying to say, how to fight the good fight this morning and how to do what you've called us to do this morning in a powerful way, Father. Knowing your word and understanding your word this morning, Father, we thank you for your word. In Jesus' name, amen. As we listen to these verses, I, wanna, I want you to get an understanding this morning that in the world today, there's a lot of beliefs. There's a lot of teachings. There's a lot of false doctrines being taught today. There's a lot of things going out there in the world that people are grabbing onto and holding onto. And uh, it's really somebody uh, un- not understanding the fight that we're in in our spiritual lives. How many have come to know as a believer that work, work, working for God and serving God and living for God is a fight? Has anybody got that yet in your understanding? It's, it's a real fight. And even though the Bible says it's not a battle of flesh and blood, it is a fight. And if you were a fighter before you got saved, then you've got an advantage. You just take that fighting spirit and you just channel it in God and in the spirit of God and you have a fight in you. Some people don't have a fight in them. It's good to have fight in you. Amen. Now you got to know how to use it. And the Bible says it's not of flesh and blood anymore, but that maybe fight that you used to fight with physically or even with your words, you can channel that and turn it into a spiritual fight. Amen. I did the wrong thing by turning the projector off when I got up here out of habit. So I'm going to turn it back on here and show you another quick clip real quick that goes along with my message. How many know there's a real devil out there? Not to give him glory, but he's real. An enemy who's not playing around. See, a lot of people today are playing church. The devil's not playing around, though. People are playing church. The devil's not. The Bible says he's come to steal, kill, and destroy. He's out. He's after us. I don't say that to scare you. It's just a fact. And when you give your life to God and you begin to serve God and you begin to bear fruit, then the devil would come after you even harder because you might get saved, as many do, and you might get that helmet of salvation, as many do. But then they don't really grow. They don't really learn more about the Lord. They don't really learn how to fight the good fight. And they end up losing the battle later on down the road because they haven't learned how to put their armor on. Can you say amen? Thank you, Dylan. I know you got to touch some kind of button there. I'm going to show a quick clip as soon as this comes back on. And as we're getting it ready... In the name of Jesus, please come back. Sometimes it works. There we go. Go ahead and show it. I love that movie too. So how many just saw the visual? That is what a lot of Christians do sometimes with the devil. They get saved and they get a few verses and they get a little bit of understanding. And then they like, I'm going to go take on the devil and I'm going to use my power. You, when you come against the devil with, without Jesus Christ and without the power of the cross, then you are like a person showing up to a gunfight with a knife. Ten out of ten times, you're going to lose that battle. Amen? 
and you can swing and you, and you can do all these things, but that gun is going to win. Amen. And first Timothy chapter one, verse 18 says that this charge I commit to you, son, Timothy, that you might fight a good fight. Now, I'm going to make a statement that is a fact this morning that the devil is real, but he and is not playing around, but he's not scared of a church that does not know Jesus. He's not scared of a church that is worldly and fleshly and sugarcoats the, the gospel is bland or an army of believers who are not equipped with a sword. Amen. Amen. There's a lot of people, if you'll visualize this with me, the Bible says in, the, in Ephesians 6 about the armor of God that we've got the breastplate of righteousness, we shot our feet with the gospel of peace, we put on the belt of truth, we pick up the shield of faith, we have the sword of the spirit. whole lot of people get saved and are walking around fighting a fight, or I shouldn't even say fighting a fight, they're in a fight that they don't really realize, and they're walking around with nothing but the helmet of salvation on how many know that's dangerous? You go out to battle without any armor, without a shield, without your feet, your shoes on, without the belt on, you're going to lose. And so I want to teach you this morning some key verses to help you not be in a gunfight with a knife. Amen. 1 Timothy 1.18, I'll read it one more time. This charge I commit unto you. How many know when somebody, when somebody says something, this charge, he's saying, hey, pay attention, this is serious. It's a military term. And he says, I commit unto you, my son Timothy, and Timothy would commit unto us, and you would commit unto those under you in discipleship, that you might fight a good fight. So not, don't just fight. How many know that when you, if you're in a fight, you want to win? Amen. Losing a fight is not fun. Amen? Let me just see your hands this morning if you've ever been in a fight. Let me see your hands. Okay, we got some fighters in here. How many know, how many fought more than once? Was it more fun to win or to lose? Okay, I'm just making sure. I, that's kind of obvious. Now, don't get crazy here and think, man, this pastor's up here, you know, endorsing fighting and all that stuff. But I, I was joking around at the court the other day because, you know, I like to play basketball. And a lot of times these guys will get in these little arguments on the court. And all they do is talk. Now, I mean, they'll get up in each other's face and spit on each other. Breathe on each other and sometimes go nose to nose. I don't ever see a fence cl cl fist clenched. I don't ever see a push. I just see a lot of talk. Now, I stay out of it because most of them know that I'm a pastor, so I don't get involved. And a lot of times I have to really hold myself to not do what I would like to do. Because there are some people at that court, and some of y'all in here play with me and you know who they are, that they need to get blown, bo bo socked in the nose. I'm not endorsing fighting, but I'm just saying, how many know if somebody continually bullies and bullies and bullies and messes with people and always causes problems, somebody needs to just make them shut up? Can you say amen? There, he's, he, there, I, I know this goes online, so it's dangerous, but there's a guy at 24 Hour Fitness, Louisville, that needs to get socked, and I can't do it. Because it would ruin my reputation. But I'm telling you, sometimes I just really wish somebody else would. But I can't tell them, hey, go. But we did have that conversation the other day. Tyrone, you know what I'm talking about. Now, see, Tyrone also, I'm going to put Tyrone on blast for a second here. Raise your hand, Tyrone. 
if you ever need some help in a fight, he's your man. But he is saved now, and so he's working on his new life. And, you know, we got to walk off the court sometimes. When I hear Tyrone say, don't say it again, if you know Tyrone, it means don't say it again. I have seen this man break a guy's nose in Costa Rica on the court because the guy kept talking and talking and talking. I was raised around people that didn't talk till after the fight was over. How many get what I'm saying? Listen, I'm not endorsing fighting. I'm, I'm relating this to the spirit. You got these guys that just blah, 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 talk, 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 talk. Man, I, when I was in high school, I was raised, I wasn't, I wasn't, necessarily I wouldn't consider where I lived in the ghetto but the school was rough and there was a lot of fights and my friends when things started to go down there just wasn't a whole lot of talking there was a lot of swinging and then the talk was later and it was about the fight not if we're gonna fight so I kind of bring that into the spiritual that sometimes we we talk too much and we don't really fight how many know as Christians we need to be fighters we're fighting for the greatest cause ever Ever in the history of the world, we're fighting for the greatest. We are part of the greatest enterprise in the world. And, and if, if, if God says in this word, now how many know when God gives you an endorsement, it's awesome. He says, fight the good fight. So we can, we can fight because God said we could fight. How many like that? But you got to know how to fight, of course. Amen. There are some rules with God. So he says, fight the good fight. But what we need to realize, and if you don't get anything else out of this message this morning, I want you to get this. You need to make sure you're fighting the right fight. Okay? Make sure you're fighting the right fight. Verses 19 and 20 of 1 Timothy 18, one, sorry, verse one, chapter 1 says, Holding faith and a good conscience, which some, having put away their concern, their faith, have made a shipwreck. How many have ever seen somebody get saved and make a shipwreck of their faith? How many know that one of the greatest reasons that atheism exists today is because of Christians Amen. who shipwreck? It, it, it's, it's a misinterpretation or misrepresentation of the gospel. You, you, people all the time that I run into trying to get them into church, oh, I don't want to go to church because there's a bunch of hypocrites there. And the fact is, it's true. And many, many, many Christians that are not fighting the good fight have, been, have given a horrible representation of Jesus Christ, and God calls us to represent Him in a certain way, amen? To fight the right fight, to be on the right battlefield. And so it says, Of whom is Hymenaeus and Alexander, whom I have delivered unto Satan, that they may learn not to blaspheme? Now how many know this morning, if you're battling with anything in the spiritual realm, we understand and know that God knows everything. Okay, and God, how many know that if God says fight the good fight, he's going to equip us to win the fight. That's the greatest thing to know this morning is that we can't lose this fight. I mean, it's a fixed fight. How many would have fought more when you were younger if you'd have known the fight was fixed? Right. I mean, if you were ever young and you were going to be in a fight, then you, you know, you, 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 you kind of worried. Well, what if I get hit hard, it's going to hurt or, or what if I lose or what? If, but I mean, there'd be too many fights if people knew it was fixed. Yet we're in a fixed fight. We cannot lose. Look at someone next to you and say, you cannot lose. God is undefeated. 
Amen. But the gospel that's being portrayed today by the church is not a true gospel. Now, remember when I say that, I'm talking about the worldwide church, the worldwide gospel. I'm not picking on our church. I'm not picking on another church. I'm just saying that the gospel today, and the Bible said it would happen. In these same chapters of Timothy, Thessalonians, and the books around that area, they all said the same thing. There will come a time when people will not endure sound doctrine. Meaning they will begin to walk away from the truth. And I'll tell you right now, the only way you can lose the battle with God is if you walk away from the truth. Amen. Amen. So the gospel is being portrayed this way, and, and, and it's different, I believe, than what God wants to be portrayed. And we see in this word that this is not something new. If it was a problem 2,000 years ago, it would be a problem 2,000 years from today. One of the first things I remember learning from my pastor, Pastor Jones, as I began to be discipled by him many years ago, I, he learned and taught me that you need to pick your battles. Amen? Number one, pick your battles. That means don't fight every fight. That'll go for marriages as well. Family problems, everything. You've got to learn how to f- pick your fights. That means that some fights that come along are not worth your, fi- your time. Okay, and then the second one is, is don't fight your battles on the wrong battlefield. There's nothing worse than fighting a battle that's not on the right field. You're in the wrong place at the wrong time. Not good things are going to happen. I'm going to give you an example of that. A few have heard this story before and many have not. But when I was in Costa Rica, we just talked about that this morning. My wife and I went to the worst areas in Costa Rica. Tyrone can testify to that as somebody who's lit from there. People who have been here from our church down there can testify to that. We went to the worst areas. We went to the most dangerous. I don't say that to lift me up. Matter of fact, I've said before that if I did it again, I might not go those places again at this age. But I was young and dumb. Amen. But I was a good thing. And we go in these places and man, you begin to find out how bad it was and, and people would get killed. People get mugged, people get robbed, all these things would happen. And one time we were in Los Cuadros, and we just had Pastor Dustin last Sunday, correct? He's the one that started that church in Los Cuadros, and it's one of the worst areas in the whole country. It's a tiny little city, and you just, everything happens right there. It's just, it's just visible. And we were there, and we had a revival. Remember Pastor Gould that came? Not too long ago, he was down there with one of his disciples. We preached that night. I translated for him. We had a great service. We, we uh, were, were, were outside uh, just fellowshipping. Some guys came up, put guns to our chest, stole everything we had, ran away. And I thought to myself, man, if that happens, and I was mad that night. I was super mad that night. I mean, I got frustrated. I was like, God, how can you let us get robbed? We just preached your gospel. I mean, how many have ever, let me ask this. How many have ever had a gun at your chest loaded? Okay, I didn't think there'd be too many people. There's a couple. Okay, not too fun. I'm glad that a lot of, not a lot of people have had that happen. That's a scary moment. Saved or not saved, Amen. And I got mad at God. I said, God, how could you let us get robbed like this? And we just preached your gospel. And, and, and I got home bitter. I was mad. I was, I was arguing with God. I was frustrated. I said, God, why'd you let that happen? A few hours went by. And he said, you going to fight the good fight? And I said, yeah. He says, get up in the morning and go outreach. And I got up that morning and I went and outreached. 
And I saw more people get saved that next morning personally, one-on-one, than I ever had. So what I did was I got punched, but I punched back. But it wasn't a physical fight. It was a spiritual fight. The devil took something physical from us, and I went and took something spiritual from him. When the devil takes something physical from you, go take something spiritual from him. I, gave, I got it back. I went and stole back some fruit. Amen. Some people got saved. So you can either get better or you can get bitter this morning. It's your choice. Another time in that same place, I was on the wrong battlefield. Another group was down there, and they, it was daytime. And we were going to do some outreach, and they had some cameras. And as you've been in a mission field for a while, you just kind of put your guard down. You get used to living there. And these guys came in, this lady and her husband, they were pastors, and they had their cameras on them. And I should have told them, don't, don't take your camera outside the church, or I should have gone out there with her. But we got busy, and all of a sudden she's outside, and I hear a scream. And I run out there, and she said, they took my camera, they took my camera. Now, this wasn't too long after this gun had been held to my chest. And I got mad. I got mad, real mad. And I said, this is not happening again. And I ran. I found out what I said. Which way did he go? And there was another guy that was with us. He's pretty big. And I said, which way did he go? And they pointed and we jumped in that car and we were around the corner and went to this place called the Street of Knives. It's known for called the Street of Knives. And I'm looking for this guy, and I'm saying, where'd he go? Where'd he go? And people are pointing. And so they point to this one guy. God is my witness. I ran up. I grabbed that guy, and I slammed him against the wall. I was getting that camera back. But I was at a knife fight with a fist. Because as I'm holding that guy up against the wall, a guy about 20 feet away starts walking towards me with a machete. It says, let him go or I'll cut your arms off. So I let him go. (laughs) They got the camera. That's fighting a battle on the wrong battlefield. I'd have lost that fight. Just like showing up to a gunfight with a knife, I'd have lost that fight. Amen? I wouldn't have won. And so these are physical things I'm telling you, but it pertains to the spiritual we got to be careful that we don't lose spiritual battles on the wrong battlefield. And then we get mad at God and say, God, where were you? And God says, I was on the right battlefield and you were in the wrong place. Or he'll say, I told you not to fight that battle and you went and fought it on your own. Go ahead and live up to the consequences. Amen. Preparation. Talking about these fights being unprepared. When we pray, when we read the Bible, you know, you're here this morning at a, in a church listening to a message that hopefully is preparing you for the fight. And God, church, this is an eternal fight. This isn't a one-time fight. This is a fight that's going to last forever. It's going to last till Jesus comes back or you breathe your last breath. You've you got to realize that there's going to be some times of rest. There's going to be some times where things kind of, the water's kind of calm. But if you're doing anything for God, it's going to be troubled waters a lot. And you're going to have to fight spiritual battles. But you've got to understand that this is a war. Amen? This is a war. First Timothy chapter 1, we're still there. I want to read a few verses more here. 1 Timothy chapter 1. Just go there if you haven't gone there yet. We started in 1 Timothy 6. And I want to kind of just close up this morning with a thought. I want to show you what the Bible says. Again, that this is not something new. That 
false doctrine and false teachings and wishy-washy things and, and fakeness and hypocrisy and all the things that can creep into church have been going on since the very beginning. And the reason is, is because of flesh and sin and people. I always joke around that when I, co- when I am he- come in here in the morning and nobody's here yet, the church is perfect till I walk in. When it's empty, this church is perfect because there's no human beings in it. As soon as we walk in, it becomes imperfect because we're human and we bring in flesh. But God wants us to fight the flesh. God wants us to defeat the flesh. God wants us to not walk in the flesh. He wants us to walk in the spirit. That's part of the fight. How many know that we fight every moment, every day, our flesh? We talked about this on Friday morning at discipleship. Being tempted is not a sin. It's giving in to the temptation. Me getting angry on the basketball court and wanting to break someone's nose is a temptation. If I do it, then I've sinned. Although I wouldn't mind if somebody else did it and they sinned. Verse 3 of 1 Timothy chapter 1 says, As I besought you to abide, abide means to stay, to continue, still at Ephesus, when I went to Macedonia, that you might charge some, watch this, charge some, again we see that word, that they would teach no other doctrine. Okay, that they would teach, say that word doctrine this morning. Doctrine is truth. Doctrine is Bible truth. Doctrine is taking, let's just say, the word salvation. And you don't go to John 3.16 and make a doctrine out of John 3.16. A doctrine is a truth that you take every verse from Genesis all the way to Revelation. You bring all those verses together and you make a doctrine. You make a truth. Some people say, oh, the Bible contradicts itself. Oh, the, I mean, people, how many know people have got more excuses than, 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 they, than we can even imagine? Excuses are always around. It's because people don't want to live for God. It's because people want to have a, see, today, today God, the gospel is popular. Oh, I can get an amen there. I don't know what happened there. It's the truth. The gospel's popular now because you can go to a place and you can find a place That'll preach what you want to hear. You can find a place that'll teach not against something you want to live in. The Bible can say this is wrong. This is a sin. This will send you to hell. Oh, don't mention hell. That's not too popular today. But it hasn't gone anywhere. It's still there. And you can find a place if there's some lifestyle you want to live. You can find a church. People look all around, they hop, they hop, they go. Oh man, they're preaching against what, I, what, I, what I'm trying to do. I need to go and leave. Or you might just find a place that just won't quite mention it. And you'll feel okay. He's saying, that. I, don't look at me crazy, I'm reading the Bible here. He says that they teach no other doctrine. Doctrine hasn't changed, people change. God's word is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Amen? He has not changed. There's no variance in him. What does he say? He says, Jesus Christ and him crucified and resurrected is the only hope for this world, church. Listen, 
Write that down. Jesus Christ and him crucified, Paul said in Galatians, and resurrected is the only hope for this world. And anybody can be saved. Aren't you glad for that? Anybody can be saved if they will call on the name of the Lord. Anybody can be saved. But today we see verse 4 happening. 1 Timothy chapter 1. Neither give heed to fables and endless genealogies. Neither give heed to fables and endless genealogies. There are people who have made doctrines out of the craziest, wildest things that don't have anything to do with what God is trying to do. Because let me remind you this morning what the Great Commission is. Let me remind you this morning what heaven's battle cry is. God's heart this morning, God's heart this morning is that every person on this earth would be saved. That none would perish, but all would come to everlasting life this morning. Does anybody still believe that that is still God's battle cry? That that is still God's heart? That everybody and anybody would come to a saving knowledge in Jesus Christ. That they would be able to know I am saved, I am forgiven. And as Dwayne said at prayer, he who the Son is set, has set free is free indeed. Has anybody in here been set free from something in your life? Amen. Has, has Jesus shown himself real to you this morning? Don't show up to a gunfight with a knife. You're going to lose. Know what you believe. Know more about the word of God than you do about the latest show on TV. Know more about the word of God than you do about the statistics of a baseball player or a football player or a team. Know more about God than you know about anything else. Fight the good fight. There's a lot of, watch this, there's a lot of shiny, hocus pocus, showtime, trendy things going on in the church today. The church is trying to look like the world. They're trying to have a look that it would be inviting to the people. Yet I read in the church, and listen, we try to make this church as pretty as possible. We try to have nice chairs. We try to keep it clean. Amen. But it's not about the building. It's not about the sign. It's not about the things in the church. It's about what we're preaching this morning that matters. And it's that Jesus Christ would be lifted up. Amen. We're not trying to attract people. We're not going to give away a car. So somebody would come to church. We're not going to raffle off things. We're not going to have gimmicks as Pastor Dustin talked about last week. We're not going to try to do these different things to try to bring people in to our church. We're going to preach the truth of Jesus Christ. We're going to preach the word of God. We're going to live it and we're going to see God bring the church in. We're going to see God bring the lost in. And we're going to be in this gunfight with a gun. Not with a knife. Not everything, write this down, that shines is real. Not everything that shines is real gold or real silver or genuine. There is a humongous lie today that if somebody has a humongous ministry, if they're popular, if they have a lot of money, if they have a lot of people, then it's genuine. Does anybody else look, look today at the world? I'm not, I'm, not try, I'm not trying to knock. I'm not trying to knock things. But we're so easily misled. We think, man, 
That church has 25,000 people. They've got to be doing something right. I mean, God has got to be doing something amazing in that church. Numbers does not mean it's genuine. How many know that Jesus had multitudes following him all the time? Yet he would speak to them in a straightforward way. He would love them, but he would tell them the truth. And some would turn away and walk away and others would stay following him. Amen. Not everything that shines is real. As I close, think about this. We must be the remnant of God. We must be the church that is truly doing what God wants us to do and truly fighting the temptation of the, of the devil and not run with what's popular. Not run to the latest fad or do what the latest people are doing. How many know fads will come and go? So verse 5, watch this. We're still there in 1 Timothy 1. says, Now the end of the commandment is love out of a pure heart and of a good conscience and of faith unfeigned. You know what unfeigned means? It means not fake. You know what you should want this morning more than anything else at all in the world? To have a true, not fake walk with God. Not a perfect one but not fake. How many like to be around people that are real? If they have a problem with you, they'll tell you to your face. Not sit there and fellowship with you and then talk about you when you leave. Now, I'm not saying anybody does. I'm not, picking, I'm, not, I'm not chasing a rabbit. I'm just saying God is looking for real people, that we would have a faith that's real. The greatest compliment you can get from somebody is for them to say, man, I, I think you're real. You, you're, you just seem real. You seem genuine. That's the greatest compliment you can get. Then no one's going to say, I think, man, you just seem perfect to me. No, there's no perfection outside of Jesus Christ. But that they could say, I just see a genuineness in your faith. And how many know if something's real, a gold ring, a silver ring, silverware, silverware uh, jewelry, it's going to last through the tests. It's going to last through the storms. It's going to still shine. But that which is fake is going to turn green. When it's all said and done, when this whole walk is done, that which is real is going to last, and that which has been fake is going to be destroyed. Amen? Verse 6, from which some, having swerved, have turned aside unto vain jangling. That means useless talk. And look at 7, desiring to be teachers of the law, understanding neither what they say know whereof they affirm. There are a ton of people today preaching the gospel for money, for fame. People could see some famous preacher or somebody doing well and say, oh man, there's a lot of money in that. I'll tell you what, I never got into the, to the ministry for anything other than a call of God. I had, you can make a lot more money doing a business or doing whatever you want to do. It ain't about money. But somehow, some way, these preachers today are portraying that it's a career. You know, you got people all the time going into Bible school because it looks like a good career. It is not a career. It's a call. Amen. Amen. Serving God's not, you're not in this to be a career Christian. You're in this to make it to heaven and make a difference in somebody's life. And if you feel this morning like, man, I'm, 
I'm, an, I'm nothing. I'm nobody. What could I do? Here's the good news. You might not have a high school diploma or a college degree or a great job or a nice car. But you, if you are a child of God and believe in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you are higher than the president of the United States or any other country because you are a child of the king. And if he called you, he will equip you. You are higher than anybody else because you're in the greatest enterprise in the world. But don't be in a fight that you cannot win. Don't be, don't be shining and slamming and showing off and then get shot right in front of everybody else. The reason that so many people, I think today as I close, are falling away from the Lord is because the gospel that they were presented was not the true gospel. If it looks easy, if it looks glamorous, it's not the true gospel. The Bible says many are the afflictions of the righteous. Many are the afflictions of the righteous. I'm going to close with a story, another story in, in Costa Rica this morning. When I was playing basketball, I was on a team that was a very popular team and that had, there's, in Costa Rica, there's usually two or three teams that have all the money. And the rest don't have any, but they just are in the league. It's probably the, even the case in the United States in different sports teams. You can look at someone like the Lakers or the Cowboys. They have all the money. Doesn't mean they win. But our team was one of the two or three teams that had a lot of money. So a lot of people wanted to play on our team, obviously. They wanted to get paid, and they wanted to be a part of the team that was, we, and we actually, we were winning. And so, at my second or third year coming into playing for this team, we did open tryouts. We needed a couple spots left on our team. It was 12 people on our team. We had 10 on contract. I already had my contract. Other nine players had theirs. We were already signed for that season, and we needed two players. And so, they had a, my, some of the guys have heard this in discipleship. So, they opened up an open tryout to come make those two spots. Now, that would be appealing to anybody in, the United, in the Costa Rica that wanted to play basketball. They say, hey, this is my shot. I'm going to go show myself. This sounds good. That there's money there. They're winning. This is an opportunity. I'm going to go. But how many know a lot of people could show up to a tryout and be unprepared? I'll never forget this. This is, this is, this is uh, again, so you don't lose track, this is the, the gospel that's being presented today is something that's very attractive. And so people get into it because it's attractive. But then when the first real battle comes along, they show up to the gunfight with a knife. Because they're not prepared. And they lose. And so in Costa Rica, all these guys showed up. We had this tryout, and there was the nine of us, and 60 other guys showed up. 60 for two spots. It was at the national gym. There were six o'clock in the morning. They made it at a hard time. All these guys showed up. We showed up. We didn't know what we were going to do, what was going to go on. They were, everybody was shooting around. And I remember watching these guys, man. They were doing their thing. They were dribbling to their legs. Some of them were dunking. You could just see them. And they were walking around with a swagger. They were acting like they could play. I mean, they were just trying to... They, you, could, you could see them looking around, see if somebody was watching. Then they'd shoot. Make sure the coaches were watching. And so they let everybody warm up for about 15 minutes. And I could just tell, man, some of these people were like, yeah, I'm going to make this team. I'm going to show what I got today. 
All of a sudden, whoop, whistle blows. Guess what? They picked up the balls, put them in a bag, and we went out to the track. And we ran. And we ran. And we ran. Us too. And it got to this place where they started timing us. And they said, whoever doesn't make it in this time has to do it again. And this was our preseason, so we were training, getting ready physically. We, they never touched a basketball. Came back inside. They said, okay, we'll see you guys tomorrow. Try out 6 o'clock in the morning. Some of the guys were like, what? Let me show you my shot. Let me show you how good I can dribble. Let me show you that I can dunk. I can fly. Man, and they started talking. No, we'll see you tomorrow at 6 o'clock. They didn't even let the balls come back out again. Guess how many people showed up the next day? 30. 30 people showed up the next day. 30 were gone. It's just like the gospel. People come and get saved like crazy in this church, in all churches. And they get saved because the gospel has been presented to them as something shiny. Easy. When the rough comes, they realize they're in the wrong fight, wrong battlefield. They aren't equipped. They're not prepared. They didn't take it serious. They weren't told this isn't going to be easy. Next day, 30 showed up. Same thing. Shooting around, layups, dunking. They thought, I made it past yesterday. I didn't pass out. I didn't die. I'm here. I'm going to show my stuff today. Nope. Out to the track again. Never touched a basketball. Ran us again until we throwing up. Came back in. Okay, we'll see you tomorrow. The next day, 10 people showed up. Went out and ran again. I think it was the last day. There was eight or seven guys left. And out of the seven or eight guys that were left, that's where they got the two. Now they didn't have to look at 60 different people on the basketball court. They had seven or eight guys who wanted to be there. God today wants to use people who want to be here, not for fame, not for what God can give me, but for what God has done for me. And I'm going to live for him, and I'm going to serve him, and I'm going to fight the good fight, because it's a fight that's worth fighting. Has anybody come to realize that this morning? Amen. Let's give the Lord a hand as the musicians come this morning. How many in here still believe that Jesus heals, saves, and delivers? There is nothing that Jesus Christ cannot do this morning. Amen? Nothing. As they're coming and preparing and getting the music ready, I want to I tell you one more thing. The church, we have air on in here this morning, thank God. I'm still sweating. doesn't matter how much air it is. But we have these thermostats. You see the thermostat back here, over there? different places. That thermostat is setting the temperature for what the temperature is in here. Okay? God has called us to be the thermostat. Not the thermometer. The thermometer reads the temperature. The thermostat sets the temperature. We're not supposed to be Christians who read the world and then go, oh, okay, this is what the Bible says, or oh, this is the truth. The Bible's called us to be the thermometer, to be the truth, to set the tone, to be what others look at and say, that's truth. 
That's what I need. That's what I want. Anybody remember the, the, the politician Mike Huckabee that ran for president a couple times ago? He, he's a pastor. He has a large church. And he tells the story that they were spending ridiculous amounts of money in electricity bills trying to cool all their buildings because they had old, outdated AC units like us. And they just it was just expensive. And so they had finally got the money together to do this computer system to where whenever people were in the building, it cooled a certain way, certain days when no one was there, it didn't come on, and all this, they had this great computer system going, and it really dropped their bills tremendously in their church. But this pastor, Mike Huckabee, was walking through one day, and after they explained how everything works, and he saw one of his janitors or one of his technicians or somebody trying to take the thermostat off the wall. And he said, don't do that. Leave the thermostats on the wall. Don't touch them. And they had this long, drawn-out argument. And finally, the guy left it alone. And the reason was is because when people would come into church, how many know most, I'm just, this is just a general statement. Most women are cold-natured and most men are hot-natured. The women are cold, men are hot, generally. But let's just put it all together. Someone's cold, someone's hot. Right now, some of you are hot, some of you are cold. Some of you wish you had a jacket on. Some of you wish you could take your clothes off. Okay, hot or cold? Well, these people would walk in, and if a, if a guy walked in and said, man, it's hot in here, he'd go over, and he would look around, and he'd turn that thing down. And then my Huckabee would come by and go, sir, you feel better? Oh, yeah, it's cooling down here. Later on, he'd see a lady get up, walk over there, make sure no one was looking around. She'd put the thing back up. He'd, he'd be watching this. He'd walk over to her and say, ma'am, you feeling better? Oh, yeah, it's much warmer here. They weren't doing anything to the temperature at all. It didn't even work. But they felt like they were doing something, and it made them feel better. That seems like what people do with the gospel. Whatever fits me. And it may feel right, but you haven't done anything to the truth. The temperature is the temperature. The Bible is the Bible. It is setting the tone, and you cannot change it. You don't change the thermostat to fit your life. You change your life to fit the thermostat. Can you say amen? And if you'll do that, you'll win the fight. I promise you, you'll win the fight.